Good evening, Rabbi Isai. I'm going to begin by giving a tremendous shout out to the Kaddish Baruch We had the schluss to learn together such a tremendous amount of Navi for so many weeks, now entering our second year. Obviously, the first Shavuot Vaidah that we have to give is Takadosh Baruch Hu that we had discussed. We had discussed to learn the Divrahan Vim together for a year. Also, I have to mention Shavuot Vaidah to Mosepulitz and family. Mosepulitz began this year. This is brainchild and all the extra learning, the Limit Atayr that takes place every week is really to his credit and to his schus and making sure the sponsors and making sure the food is taken care of is a tremendous avoid and tremendous shavavavidah to Mo Yerotzen that the schus atayr should be amad for you and for your family that you should be zeichet and mizbarach b'chol milu demetav and a grace yishkech to all the sponsors for this week's special celebration of our one year of the year, the Rabinowitz family, the Feder family, the Sepulitz family, the Stein family, the Board family, the Schechter family, the Schwartz family, the Enzweig family, the Rosenberg family, and the Lavitt family. I'd like to thank everybody for the generosity of providing for this celebration. I think it's particularly appropriate that we are celebrating now, as opposed to in a few weeks from now, as Hashem will be coming to the end of Sefer Shmuel Aleph, and I would feel like maybe we should mark the end of Shmuel Aleph, but Shmuel Aleph, we know... There's no such thing. It's a Christian invention that there's a hefsik in the middle of Sefer Shmuel. So Baruch Hashem, we're celebrating now. We won't have to celebrate when the Christians decided to make a hefsik in the middle of Sefer Shmuel. I also just want to mention what a chash of a thing it is, the concept of coming Thursday night. Everyone works very hard over here. People, some people, they come to their night seder. And to go after a night seder, after Mayrev, Instead of going to relax, take it easy to come and spend extra time with Limit Atayra, it's a tremendous source. And it's a heichacha to all those who come that Be'etzim, this is where their heart is, is Limit Atayra. They're not able to learn late every night because they have to go to work the next morning. But I'll call upon them when they have the opportunity, they take the chance to learn. It's a tremendous source for them and the family. In fact, I want to bench them with the brach of Dabra Melech of this. We'll Bez Hashem be getting to this week. So we're just skipping a few psukim to the bracha of Dovid HaMelech. Dovid HaMelech says, He gave a bracha that what you see now should be like this forever. And everything that you have should be shalom. And the Yeratzim, that everyone who participates in the shir should be in his barach with the bracha of Dovid HaMelech. So we're in the middle of a very... Dramatic moment, a moment where Shaul HaMelech unwittingly puts himself in David's hands while he's trying to kill David. He falls into a position, he goes into the cave where David's hiding to use the bathroom. David can kill him and David spares his life. And David comes out of the cave after cutting off the knaf me'il Shaul. He cuts off a corner of Shaul's baggage. To prove that he was right next to Shaul with a knife in his hand, he could have killed him. He comes out and he calls out to Shaul and he speaks to him with chachma, with covid, and at the same time with a tviya, telling him, why are you chasing me? Look, I could have killed you, I did nothing wrong to you. Everything that everyone's telling you about me, that I'm trying to harm you, it's all fake, it's all lie. And we left off with David's time to Shaul, and we're up to Shaul's response. And... In this moment, we get a, a glimpse of Shaul, the Bechir Hashem, the tzaddik that Shaul really was, 
comes shining through. You know, we're going through these prokim and not necessarily show depicted in the best light in the last few prokim, but we get a glimpse of who Shaul really was, the tzitkis of Shaul. Finishes his speech, Is this your voice, my son David? And Shaul begins to cry. Menchiketana says a very thing over here. He says, what is he saying? Is this your, your voice, my son David? He says that you called me Avi. And you acted, to me, like a ben to an av. You, you saved my life. You had the rachmonis of somebody. We know that Torah tells us that someone's Boba Machteris, armed thief is coming to kill you. So, hashkim v'hargai. The only place where the halacha is not that way is a son doesn't kill his father because we have a chazaka that a father won't kill his son. So Shaul tells him, I see now that you're really beneath. You're acting like a son to a father. Not like me. And he tells him that I know that you're the tzaddik. And he's going to say very strong words. Shaul's about to say that you're the tzaddik and I'm wrong. But why does Shaul begin to cry? So he says, you know why Shaul cries? Shaul now realizes that obviously everything they said about David is fake. It's false news. David's not trying to kill him. David's not trying to steal the malucha. He had the opportunity. So obviously... What happened in Noiv Irakayanim, David didn't do anything wrong. The Kehan of Noiv Irakayanim didn't do anything wrong. David wasn't trying to start a Merida, and therefore he had no right to kill the Kehan of Noiv. And Shaul is crying over the terrible Aver of killing out the Noiv Irakayanim. He realizes now the terrible Aver he did. The Yemel David, Tzadik Atami Meni. You're the Tzadik. He's Moida, the David was right. You did good to me, and I did returned bad. Shaul's telling David, I thought all along, my and, and so often in life, you know, it's, it's a most that we can take from here, we have one view of things, and suddenly it's flipped around. Shaul has a view of things that I'm the tzaddik. I took you, you were a nobody. I elevated you. I gave you the position of being the king's son-in-law. I made you a general in the army. And what did you return the favor? You try to rebel. You try to take away the malucha. Could there be a greater kofi toiv than someone who's accepted by the melech to be the king's son-in-law, elevated to high position and try stealing his father-in-law's throne? But now in one split second, he sees that no. David was doing only toiv to him. David killed Goliath. David took his daughter. And David all along was just trying to protect the malucha. And he absolutely had nothing in mind against Shaul. And Shaul can't believe this drastic turn of events, how he suddenly sees the truth. He says, you showed today, he you said, you showed today, you proved with your actions that you did only good with me. Everything you had done until now obviously was not Nishavan Lara, otherwise you would have killed me. Hashem gave me over into your hands, and you didn't kill me. And again, you see a power. You see that Shaul is moida, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu 
is acting on the behalf of David. Until now, right, we saw just last week, when the Zephim came, he told them, they came to, to betray David, and Shaul tells them, Hashem, you're fulfilling the Ritzayin Hashem. He has Shaul, David kidnapped, he, think, he has David cornered, he thinks, wow, HaKadosh Baruch gave my enemy into my hand. And suddenly, one split moment, he sees that, no, it's all the way around. It's HaKadosh Baruch was acting on David's behalf to protect him from Shaul. HaKadosh Baruch gave Shaul into David's hands. And David had the covet for the Mashiach Hashem, and he didn't want to kill Shaul. It was just because David didn't kill him, he didn't see anything else about that, that in of itself showed everything, because his whole, <coughs> you know, that one act it was revealing on everything, because if, if David was leading a Merida, and his whole m- mental image of who David was was true, of course David would have plunged a knife into him in one second. Why not? Does a person find his enemy and send him along on Derech Teva? And, and that, don't forget, even had David not originally started out with a Merida, but Shaul's trying to kill him, so he would be entitled to kill him now. will pay you back good for what you did to this. And now, Shaul says, I now see you're going to become the king. And not only we become king. Unlike me, where my Maluch is weak and it's wavering and it's going to be lost, it's not going to go down to my next door. The Maluch is going to be strong in your hands. How does Shaul know that? So Derech Hapshat, he knew that because he sees that this tremendous siyat of the Shemaya that Kodesh Baruch was constantly saving David to the extent and sending Shaul into the cave. Shaul realized that Kodesh Baruch was now on David's side, not on his side. And obviously that means that he's the one that Shmuel and Avi already told him that Kodesh Baruch was giving the Melucha to someone else. And he recognized that this must be David. But more than that, Chazal and others say that there was a simon. If you remember, when that original Nevuah, after the Nechemes HaMolek, where Shmuel loses, where Shaul loses the Melucha, so he, Shmuel tried walking away from him. And he reached out and he grabbed the Knaf Me'il of Shmuel and it ripped. And Chazal say that he gave him a simon, that someone's going to rip your beggar just like you rip my beggar, that's the person who's going to have the melucha. So he says, I see it was in the sky in the simon of Shmuel Anavi. I know you're going to be the next king, and I know that the melucha will be strong by you. You'll be able to mechazik in the melucha. And now he asks him, V'atah, he shovali b'ashem, I want you to make a shvua in tachris azari acharoi. If you're going to wipe out my children, this in the ancient world, this is the practice. One king took over from another king. You don't want to leave behind descendants who can claim to be the true, you know, the true heir to the throne. So it would wipe out the entire mishpacha <coughs> samalucha. So he make, tells Dov, make a sure you won't wipe out my family. If you wipe out my name and my remembrance for my family's, for my father's family. Wasn't he BFF though with Jonathan, who was Shaul's son? Yeah, but that doesn't, you know, and not necessarily is uh, is uh, Shaul confident that will last his entire family, and he he wants uh, he wants a shul from David. He probably doesn't know about because he didn't he make a shul with Jonathan. Right, that he did make a shul, but Mustafa Shaul didn't know about that exactly. Right, it's all the family members. David and David makes a, a shul to Shaul. Now this shul, David makes a shul to Shaul. What shul does he make? So many of the Mepharshim say he did not make the shvua that Shaul asked him to make. Shaul asked him to make a shvua that you're not going to harm me or my family. 
he only made a, sh- a shul that he won't harm sh- that he won't harm Shaul himself. Why? Because we'll see much later on in Sefer Shmuel that eventually David is forced to take action against the family of Shaul, not by choice, but by events beyond his control, and the Simmim and Hashemayim. And how could he have done that? So many of the Mepharshim understand that it must be that he didn't make a shoe about the Zare, but the Malvin says, no, not necessarily, because that story, as we'll see, although seven of Shaul's children are killed, but it's not killed by David himself. David just hands them over, Lamisa, and we'll have to wait for that story, but as Hashem, get up to it. Right, not necessarily Ruch Hakodesh, but it's just a simon l'mafrei. He wouldn't have done it if he had made a shul. He couldn't have gone against a shul. What? That halogo that they used to do of killing out the, the family of the king was that I mean, din? That was you know, allowed. Well, not very This is the first Jewish king, so it wasn't a Jewish halogo. This is what. Uh, oh, don't forget, they said Tosim same Tosim We're at, we're copying the goyim. We make a king like the goyim. So when we you know bump off a king, and again, this is what happens. So don't, don't yeah, don't, don't do it to me. And there may even be justification for it, based on the fact that it's a threat <laughs> to the Malucha. Maybe. Now, we don't find, it's not something, <laughs> Ishbecheta, you almost, we'll see, it comes up in Novi, that well, it's not the appropriate thing to do. What? Well, you would wouldn't happen anyway. What do you mean? Why? I mean, we'll see that, the, that, that one grandmother kills out her, all of her grandchildren because she's worried one of them will take the Malucha in Malchus Bezalvet itself, but uh, only manages to miss one baby. That's uh, Yeshio, but uh, we'll have to wait till we get to that story, Bez Hashem. So, David makes the Shur to Shaul, the Eil Shaul, the Shaul goes back home, takes his army, he leaves, he abandons the hunt. Obviously, he's, he's made peace, at least for now, with David. They went up to the fortress, to the fortified area. They didn't return. David obviously didn't fully trust Shaul, and we'll see that he was correct. And he didn't return to Yushalayim or anything like that. Now, what happens next, the Navi tells us, Ve'yomus Shmuel, Shmuel, Hanavi is now Nifter. This takes place, Chof Beis, or Chof Ches, even, which one. And, Ve'yikabsu kol Yisrael, all the Klai Yisrael gathers, Ve'yispeduloi, they say, spade him for him, they bury him in his house in Rama, where he lived. He lived in, they buried him in his hometown. Now, amongst the people who said a Hespid, many of the Farshim say it was David himself, that at that moment there was still Shalom between David and Shaul. And as much as he didn't go back to live and won't give us Shaul in the capital with Shaul, but he was comfortable enough to go and say Hespid for Shmuel. And... Now, once this happens, we'll see that David doesn't feel secure. He loses the Shmir of Shmuel Hanavi, and therefore, Vayakim David Vayered al Midbar Paran. So David doesn't feel safe anymore, and he leaves and goes to Midbar Paran. We'll see the next story takes place in Midbar Paran. Just before we continue, there's a very interesting Nakuda that has to be discussed over here. I'm sure many of the people here, if not everybody here, has been to Kever Shmuel Hanavi, right? Been to Kever Shmuel? Kever Shmuel is weird. <laughs> right in the outskirts of Yushalayim, right? Now, the outskirts of Yushalayim, Kapshuta, is not Rama. This is a major problem. So we have this kever that's the Mesaira goes back. Now, it's a very old, already the Red, ba, the Red Vaz writes, the, you know, that's in the 1500s, writes about the Kever Shmuel and the Minig to go there to cut, people went there to cut the, the hair of, the, of, of, small, of, of three old of boys. And this was an old minig, something to do with the fact that Shmuel Hanavi was, uh, was himself was a Nazir. So 
it's definitely old and it's called in the Bay Samuel, but it was it was an Arab village that had had they had this Messiah. The Crusaders had a Messiah somehow. Where they got it from? That this is the Kever of Shmuel Anami. So it's definitely an old Messiah. The problem is it doesn't seem to stim with Tanakh. So some will say, okay, maybe that maybe Rama really was an outskirts of Shemayim, but there's reasons to say not like that way. There's a very interesting book by a fellow by. Binyamin of, I think, Tudelo, I don't know exactly the name, where he comes from, he was like the first Jewish uh, traveler. You know, they have the fellow right now who writes in the Ami, what's his name, who's the <laughs> Zion. So he was the Shlemy Zion of his day, and, and he also liked to uh, say very uh, exciting, elaborate tales. Some of them are 100% uh, verified. But I'll call upon him, he writes that he visited the cave of Shmuel, so this goes back very in the early in the Middle Ages, this is, you know, goes back to the early days of the Shainim, he visited the cavern of Shmuel Navi in this spot, and he bavarns the problem that, you know, isn't Shmuel buried in, 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 in uh, Rome, not, in, uh, not by Yerushalayim. So he says that, the, that the, the, the crusaders told him that they were in Rama, and they found the cavern of Shmuel Navi, and they dug him up, and they moved him there. There is a crusader fortress there, but that, that's not discounted by many. I have to taste it. The crusaders found the cavern. Maybe someone decided post the fact to go and give Hashivas that Mokim, but maybe that is Rama. Who knows? It's definitely a Mokim the Klai, so it was Mikabal's Mokim Tefil. Okay. Not about the that it, is. We, it says Rama, but we have this cavern with some Messiah. Not every Messiah. We can, we can list off a lot of things that everyone knows are true that don't necessarily have any basis in fact. So. How do you know Rama is not out in the outskirts of Yishayim? So... <clears throat> We, we're not going to go through, and I don't know well enough the, the geography of so based on the Chalukah Lashvatim and where the different Chalukim were, but there's, there are reason, there's reasons to believe it was not an outskirts of So now we come to the next story of uh, David Amel's life, one of the famous and dramatic moments in David's life as he's being pursued still by Shaul before he's the king. And this is the story of David with Novel and Abigail, Ashes Novel Akamali. So, Zak the Pasuk, Ve'ish b'mo'ayin, there was a fellow, he lived in Mo'ayin, u'maseyu b'karmel, but his, his business enterprises were in Carmel. Ve'ish g'adel mo'ayin, he was extremely wealthy. Ve'loit tzoyin shleishas alafim, amongst his possessions he had 3,000 sheep, ve'elof izin, 1,000 goats, and there was the yearly <coughs> celebration when they would Shear the sheep, and this story takes place when he's in Carmel to shear his sheep. Now, what was this fellow's name? His name was Novel. His wife's name was Avigail. His wife was a smart lady, she had Seichel. She was beautiful. He was tough. And he was a very red. He was a rotten fellow, and he was Kalbi. Now, what's Kalbi? So, Kipshute Rashi tells us, and the Targum says, Targum Yenison, Vuh Kalbi, base Kalev. But the Mepharshim see that, you know, referring to him as Kalbi in this manner, especially after we describe him as this horrible fellow, we're not just saying he was from the family of Kalev, but we're also saying that he really had the midas of a dog. So, he was a very, very low fellow. David talks of a novel beliba in Tehillim, Kim. He was a very rotten fellow, and this rotten fellow novel, so 
just have to know what his name, Novel. Novel means a disgusting person. Was that, you know, was he actually named Novel? So many before Shem understand that he was not actually named Novel. But he had such a wonderful, uh, you know, way of behaving that he had earned this nickname as Novel. as a disgusting fellow. <laughs> right, so it sounds like maybe that was his name. So I did see one of the Farshim say that could be that he actually was called Novel. We were to come that someone should name their son such a disgusting name, because maybe that was a minig in the family of Kalev. He says, after all, Kalev is not a who gives their son the name Dog? So he says, maybe in the family they, they gave names, but Washington Saginar, and they really meant the opposite. But Kipshuta, it's difficult to say that someone actually named their, uh, their child Novel. Okay, so you have this fellow novel, and he's very wealthy. And what had happened is that his sheep and his goats and everything, they were grazing in the area that Dov and his men were camped out. And Dov and his men not only did not take advantage of all these shepherds and all these sheep and goats, but they actually gave them tremendous protection. from They protected them from other marauding gangs and so on. And uh, David definitely had done a tremendous amount of good service for novel. The, the there, yeah, that's where they were with all the sheep, and David was there, so he they gave tremendous protection. The Pasuk can describe it. His own shepherds, the lady can describe what happened. The David was like a wall for them, a wall of protection. David's in the midbar, he hears that novel is shearing his sheep. David sends ten na'arim, ten of his men. Go up to Carmel, come to Novel, and give him a shalom in my name. David already is, his shame is the He had been the general. He now has a scoop of men. He saved already one town while he's on the run. So he's, you know, he's sort of easing into becoming king. The Dafka set things up that people should get used to the idea of David as king. So by the time he finally becomes king, it's something that people are used to. So David sort of feels sort of like he's uh, at least partially the king already. So David sends him. It's a covet. He sends him. Give him shalom in my name. And give him a bracha that what you have this year, you should have next year, and you should have lo'olam, shalom, peace unto you, and peace unto your house, and then David continues, after you give him this nice bracha, tell him, I heard you're shearing your sheep. You should know that we really have a part in this feast as well. And this was the derech, when they sheared the sheep and all the shepherds, they'd make a huge party and give the shepherds gifts and so on. So he said, you know, we really have a part in this. Your shepherds, we didn't start up with them, nothing no one was harmed them because of us. As long as they're in Carmel, we protect them. If you don't believe me, ask your own men. They'll tell you. We came on a good day. It's a personal yomtif. It's the yomtif of being geizes yitzayim. Now, it's interesting. Chazal, at least in one version of the story, understand that this story took place on Rosh Hashanah, which would be the yomtif we're referring to. So please send a gift for my men. David has a lot of men to take care of. He has 600 men. And he speaks with tremendous achna. He says, I'm your servant and I'm your son. No, this is the end. This is the party following the Gzizah Yeah, they didn't do the actual. The Gzizah was over already. No, no, it's, 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 it
Chas yeah. <laughs> to show him to say that about David. We'll see that David actually actually provided major service for him. It wasn't just saying we didn't harm you, so you got to pay us <laughs> off. So, uh, although that's it sounds like from this possible, you'll see in the Pesukim later that his own shepherd say that David was like a, a wall for us, protection. <laughs> so the Na'arim of David come and they say, they say all this to David, B'Shem David, Vayinuchu. Now, Novel does not take kindly to this request. As we know, he was not a very lovely fellow to begin with. Vayan Novel is Avde David Vayemer. Novel responds to Avde David and he says, Mi David or Mi Ben Yishai. Ech, who's David? Who's Ben Yishai? Were you making a chashivas? You're my son? Well, I think it's chashivas to be like your father. Your father's a nobody. You're a nobody. And he knew that Shmuel had been Moshechim Lamelech. And the contrast, Mepharshim point out, when David HaMelech wouldn't kill someone who's trying to kill him because he was a Mashiach Hashem. And this is how Novel speaks to the Mashiach Hashem. He's also David's Mashiach Hashem. And he says, and he tells him, who do you think you are? Well, you're the upstart. He tells him, there's a lot of servants who suddenly become and act disrespectfully towards their Odin. You want to take my food, my drink. You want to take the animals I shechted. I shechted for my workers. I should give it to people. I don't know who they are. But that business is this. So Novel gives them as a... He gives them a, a nice psak. He tells them exactly what he thinks of these schnorrers, and he sends them packing. And he acts with extreme disrespect to David. So, Nare David, they turn around, they go on their way. They come back to David and they tell him what happened. So, David sees in this story a tremendous avla. First of all, he's the Mashiach Hashem. He is already headed towards becoming the king. And this level of disrespect is going to harm his malucha. B, David sees in this that this is something that has to be out, booted out of Kali's show. The job of a melech is that the melech can do extrajudicial punishments, meaning beyond the mishpat if he sees things that are harmful to society. A person should act with such nevola towards someone who did so much tayy for them. It's, it's tremendous, you know... <coughs> this person's acting such a coffee toiv, it's, it's terrible for society. He, him and his whole family have to be punished. That's an example made of them. So, everyone put on your sword. David puts on his sword last. Why? Chazal learned from here that the Godel speaks last because he doesn't want to influence everyone else. And David wants to see if his men disagreed with him, they thought it was too much of a personal reaction, he wouldn't have gone to kill him. But he, everyone else felt that way, so David comes with them. David, Ish, 400 men, and left behind 200 to to uh, watch their possessions. Now, just something that occurred to me when I, when I read this parsha, and you contrast it with David saving the life of Shaul, I think one of the lessons over here is to see that, you know, you could read the story of David and Shaul, and you could think, David, you know, he's just that kind of guy, he's a nice guy, he wouldn't harm anybody. There's some people, the fact that they wouldn't kill someone trying to kill them, doesn't mean that they're really tzad. It's just, that's their nature. They just let everything go. But you see over here, David wasn't like that. We know David was an Adoimi. He had that red nature. He had the red-blooded nature. And when he felt that someone was baveling him, 
he was ready to go wipe out the whole family. So it's not David's, you know, soft-hearted nature that let Shaul go. He let Shaul go because he had the Yerushimayim not to touch Mashiach Hashem. So David's on his way to kill Novel and wipe out the entire family. We'll see in a minute. He was planning on wiping everything out. Lavigayel Eishas Novel. Now, the servants in the house, they realized what just happened. You started up, you were mechutzif to someone who has a large group of armed men. It's not a good idea. And uh, they panicked. And they know that Novel, there's no one home. You can go speak to Novel. You can't speak to Novel. So they go to his wife. Lavigayel Eishas Novel. One of her servants came running over to Abigail, Lamer. Everyone knew who David was. He sent messengers to give a bracha to our master. And he sent them packing with some choice words. And she know that these people, it's not just that they came snoring, they did tremendous tavis for us. They never harmed us. We weren't harmed by anything. They were like a wall surrounding us. At night, day, whenever we were with them, they protected us. As long as we were guarding the sheep, we knew we had full protection. You should figure out what you should do about this. Because I could tell, the this, this servant says, I could tell this is bad news. They're going to come and kill, they're going to wipe out the whole, everybody. They're going to wipe everyone out. And, maybe, and, and the servant excuses himself for not you know, speaking to Novel. Why is he coming to his wife? He says, And we know Novel. Novel's a Belial. He's not going to listen. He's going to him will just cause him to do even worse things. And say from here that the Kishem Shemitzah Lamer Dover Hanishma to Mitzah to say things that will be heard. It's also Mitzah not to say things when you know they won't be heard. So Mamela said, Listen, Abigail, we're all at risk. David's probably going to be coming back with a group of men to kill us. And he's right because he did tremendous tie with us. And Novel was tremendously rude and chutzif and acted towards him in an inappropriate manner. And we have to figure out what to do. And Bez Hashem will have to see what happens next week because we're out of time. Shkoyach.